Welcome to the Fertile Womb Podcast. My name is Holly, and I'm the owner of Rosebud Wellness, which is a women's holistic health practice in Southern California. In my practice, I use acupuncture, yoni steaming, abdominal massage, and the fertility awareness method to support women on their conception journey. In this podcast, I will be sharing about some of the practices and tools that I use in my practice, and also will be interviewing women about their own personal fertility journey, as well as other professionals in the fertility space. Thanks so much for listening. Please enjoy. I'm excited to share with you that I have recently found a an at-home hormone testing company that I really, really love and very much align with their methodology and perspective on testing your hormones for understanding what's happening with your fertility. So the name of the company is Prove. So it's spelled P-R-O-O-V. And I really love that they kind of do a full hormone testing um, for understanding your fertility and potentially ovarian reserve. There are always limitations when you're talking about taking a snapshot on any individual day. But what's so really so great about this company is that they do invite you to test your hormones on multiple days of the cycle to really get a more complete picture of what's actually going on. Um, So I highly recommend checking them out. You can find them at provetest.com and you can use my code HOLLY, H-O-L-L-Y 20 at checkout to get 20% off of your first order. And they do have a variety of different test kits. um, And some of them do also incorporate the male side of things. So they do offer some semen analysis as well. So go over to prove, P-R-O-O-V test.com to check them out. And don't forget to use my code HOLLY20 to get 20% off of your first order. Welcome back everyone to the Fertile Womb Podcast. I am here today with Bella of Studio Fertility, and she is a fertility coach, and the name of her business is Studio Fertility, and she also has the Studio Fertility Podcast, and she focuses primarily on mental health. So I was really excited to talk with her. Um, That's not something that I know a ton about, so just excited to hear more about your story, Bella, and about the work that you are doing in the world. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. I can't wait to talk about it because I think it's a really important topic in this uh, space. It really is. Yeah, it it really is. I'm just thinking of so many women that I've worked with that even like the stress component is huge for fertility. It's massive. And I think that what most people don't realize is how big it really is. It's this is not like a deadline at work on a big project, right? The stress actually gets um, in, it's so big, it starts turning into trauma, you know, like all the little things all build up, all the little incidents every month of, you know, it not happening, you know, um, peeing on all the sticks, all those little things are all starting to like, it's called little T trauma, right? It's all these little events that are building up into this bigger experience. And so that stress is actually kind of teetering on 
the trauma side of it. And when they do studies and, and research, they find that a lot of women are, you know, can be clinically depressed, anxiety levels are through the roof. And it's akin to, you know, often having a diagnosis of infertility is akin to like getting a cancer diagnosis, getting HIV, you know, heart disease diagnosis. And I can kind of attest to it because, you know, I've been through the infertility um, space myself. And I also had a breast cancer diagnosis. So I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I would love to start there actually with your personal story. So I don't, where, wherever you want to begin. Um, I mean, a lot of times I think it's interesting to reflect on our experience of menstruating throughout our lives as that is kind of transitions into fertility, but I don't know if you're, yeah. So just tell us more about your menstruating history and how that led into fertility, any history of birth control use and just kind of your trajectory of reproductive oh, health. Never been asked this before. I might get a little personal, but that's why we're here. It's all good. Yes. Um, so I started menstruating when I was 12. When I was in year six, I remember it was the second half of year six and um, everything was pretty normal. Oh, wow. This is going to bring up so many <laughs> memories and stories, but I re remember always being really quite in touch with my menstrual cycle. Um, I remember lying on the couch one day and my sister's like, what's wrong with you? And I said, oh, I've just got a pain. My egg is popping. And she goes, ew, don't say it like that. That's disgusting. But, you know, like I was 13 or something, right? And literally that's what was happening. Now, how did I know that? I don't know. Like, I don't know how I knew that that's what was happening to me at that time. Like, nobody told me. I wasn't educated. Um, when she asked me the question, that's just what came out of my mouth. It wasn't like I was, like, really connected into it. It's just I knew. I knew what was happening. Like, I was ovulating at that time. So... I think, you know, when it came to my fertility challenges, I don't think I really thought I was going to have some because I was kind of new when I was ovulating and I have those kind of pains, but maybe those pains were not a good thing, you know, in the end, who knows? But um, yeah, I mean, that, those are my earliest memories of, of menstruation, just always being quite fascinated by it. I always, in my diary, had um, marked little things had little sad faces, like had a little code for myself in my diary, tracking everything all the time, just because I was interested, fascinated by it. That's really interesting. Mm. And so then throughout your life, did you ever go on hormonal birth control at all? Or I did. I was 17. I started taking the pill. Um, and I took it on and off for um until I was probably about 25. Um, and I stopped taking it for the weirdest reason. I didn't like something that controlled me, like that I had to do every day. It's like, it felt like if I had to do it, then it was controlling me. And so I just stopped taking the pill. Yeah. That does not seem like a weird reason. <laughs> it feels weird to me because other people, you know, like, 
because they're trying to have a baby. I don't know. I was like, no. yeah, like, no, I, but you I didn't like, ever observe cold. anything about it, like causing any side effects or making you feel kind of different from how you felt previously, especially because you are so in tune with your cycle, which is pretty unique. You know, a lot of, I've mm-hmm. asked this questions <laughs> question to a lot of people at this point. And yeah, a lot of people were kind of out of touch um, or kind of ashamed um, when they were in their earlier teenage years. So yeah, that's just kind of unique. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sorry. What was the question? (laughs) Well, so yeah. Did you notice that when you started taking birth control, because you were on it for eight years, right? Is that right? Um, Like I wasn't on it solidly the whole time. Like I was on it for a bit and then I was off it for two years, I think. And then I was back on it. So yeah, it wasn't um, a solid eight years, but yeah, I was definitely on it for a good chunk of time. But Um, yeah, did you notice that your personality was different or did you feel like a lot of women will report feeling kind of just like off or not like themselves, but not everyone. But so it sounds like that wasn't really your experience. um, no, it, it didn't uh, affect me in that way whatsoever. I mean, it was just, you know, very, just made me very regular. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, great. So um, then where do we go from there? So you're 25 and you stop taking it because you don't want to be controlled. And so what do you do at that point for pregnancy prevention, if you feel like sharing that? Or like, how does that transition into when you're ready to get pregnant? Um, yeah, just using, um, you know, good old condoms at that point. Um, pretty happy with those, but, um, yeah, so I got married, um, and I was kind of, I think when I stopped taking birth control, I was kind of with the guy that I was going to marry at that time. And so at 27, I actually got married, um, and then actually moved to the US and uh, with his job and couldn't work. And so I thought, well, this is the perfect time to start having a family. Um, you know, got all the time in the world, mm-hmm. uh, which probably turned out to be a bad thing because of what transpired from there. So um, the we'd been living over over in the US for about six months, we'd come home. And then we'd gone back to the US again. So home being Australia for me. Um, and I'd like the first time that we'd gone over, it's like, you know, there'd been a lot of, um, I hadn't been able to do anything. We were only meant to be there for four weeks and then another six weeks and then four weeks. And so I basically was by myself a lot. I'd done all the tourist things and I had nothing left to do. So I was spending a lot of time uh, looking, watching cooking shows and cause I love to cook and just like making lots of food. So I was just eating. I'd been eating way too much, even though I was going to the gym every day and stuff like that. So I just put on a little bit of excess weight and I thought to myself, well, before I try and get pregnant, I'll, um, I'll just lose some, some weight to be healthy. Right. I wasn't, I wasn't, um, I was probably just hitting, you know, if you follow BMIs at all, just hitting like going, you know, tipping over into the normal to overweight bit. So I was just trying to lose a couple of, you know, kilos to to be healthy. So I thought, and I went on this diet, and it just happened to be too good. 
um, just, you know, followed it and said it was a good one. And I, and I lost weight really quickly. Um, probably, uh, it's like 11 pounds in like I mean, two to four weeks, right? Mm. It was really quick, but my body is really sensitive to weight loss like that. And as mm-hmm. you can imagine, there's like really shift in hormones, but that was also the month we started trying. And so I get to this end of this four weeks. I don't know what's, you know, that we'd started trying. I've lost this weight. You know, I'd stabilized my weight and all of this, but my period was nowhere to be seen. And me being in touch with myself, I didn't actually run out and buy a pregnancy test or anything like that because I was like, I feel like my body shut down. I just like, that's how in tune I kind of was with it. It was like, I don't think I'm pregnant. I think that my body feels like it's shut down. And um, and I think I must have gone and got a test before I went to the doctor because, you know, you don't want to rock up and be totally stupid. Mm. But also I expected it to be negative. And then I went to the doctor. It was about, you know, um, six weeks after my last cycle at this point um, because I really needed answers because I didn't have the answers at that point. Like what I'm telling you about the weight loss and whatever was really hindsight, um, you know, from the, from over the years, I just felt like my body had shut down, but I didn't quite know why. And, you know, um, so I got to the doctor and she looked me straight in the eye and she goes, you know, like almost a smirk on her face and said, there's only three reasons a woman loses her period. And I was like, great, I'm going to get these answers. Like this person's in my corner. This is exciting. Um, Cause I was really invested in having this baby already, you know, month one. And she's like, and she just goes pregnancy, pregnancy and pregnancy. And I was like, um, what? <laughs> like He's, I, uh, an OBGYN person. No, I was a GP, but well, it was, still, but like, a person that went to medical what? school. Let me do. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Just like I was like, oh my god! Like even in that moment, month we're talking month one, right? Like I felt so alone and so let down that I was not going to have anyone in my corner. I mean, what was her? What was she trying to communicate to you? Like that you are pregnant or that you're crazy? She was trying to tell me basically that I was an idiot and that obviously I was pregnant. So she made me go and take a pregnancy test in the toilet. Okay. You know, get the the sample and did the pregnancy test and had to look at it and had egg on her face. She was like, oh, oh you know, you're not. And I was like, yeah, I know. But, you know, I was like, it was really devastating that moment. It was, it, it really set me up for a bad beginning to, my fertility journey I mean quite packed you know apart from my period disappearing you know it's only actually in recently in the last couple of years that I've learned the words for what that I had hypothalamic amenorrhea Mm -hmm. didn't know what it was it just you know kind of I worked it out for myself so then I did go to an um you know a specialist and I gave her my theory and she was like yeah I think so and then I was just left to my own devices. So for the next seven months, I was just like, I got really obsessed. I went down into like um, temperature charts and all those kinds of things. Because, But 
with no one really guiding me. So I would stare at these things, you know, trying for the temperatures to leap off the page and try and like tell me something, but I had no idea what I was looking at, what I was doing, you know, internet wasn't what it what it is now for giving you information. So I was really kind of running blind on a lot of things, but I was just trying to build back up my luteal phase. And, you know, each month I'd be like, what's it five days? No, it's seven days. And um, yeah, so that was a really, that was, you know, a good chunk of the first year of me trying. And then um, shortly after that. Well, if I could just interject for a second, because yeah, this morning I was working on a post about basal body temperature because I'm a fertility awareness educator. I think most people that listen probably already know that. I don't know if you know that, but that's a big part of what I do is teach people about how to interpret their BBT. And mm-hmm. that's, that was my experience too, was that it was like, somebody kind of sent me home. This was in 2009. So same thing. It mm-hmm. wasn't like anything like it is now. <laughs> and I was, I was like 24. I was kind of just like curious and I had hypothalamic amenorrhea as well for a long time, oh. but I knew why I also had like a pretty significant eating disorder. So it was at times, you know, really obvious, but then there were other times. And this is something that I want to like scream from the rooftops is that sometimes like for you, correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe to look at you, nobody would be like, Oh my God, that person has an eating disorder or she lost her period. Cause she's so underweight. Would you Oh, no, no, no. I no. Don't look so yeah, people were probably like, oh, you look great and whatever. And and a big part of it, and I don't know what the diet was. So I, I'd like for you to maybe share a little bit more about like, you don't have to say like the name or whatever, but kind of maybe what, if you were, one of the things that I think is important for women to know is that it's like, when we're talking about nutrition, it's overall caloric intake is really important. The energy input versus output of like exercise or some whatever energy expenditure versus how much we're taking in. And then also like micronutrients, vitamins, minerals, and then Mm -hmm. also not cutting out entire food groups or being really restrictive about um, certain types of foods not fitting. And then also just losing a significant amount of weight so quickly is really, really, really disruptive to your hormonal system. So if 11 pounds in two to four weeks, your body was like, and I have a similar body type. I think that it's, you know, I could tweak like one thing and lose like a ton of weight really quickly. And I think other people well, maybe don't have... do that now. <laughs> no, yeah. But uh, yeah. So I, I think, yeah. And it, it changes throughout your life too. And, yeah. and all of that. But so there, I think that's, that's something that I think is really important to know. And that a lot of doctors don't know that it's not necessarily like to look at a person. You can't be like, oh, you look underweight to me. So you probably have this issue. So probably if you had, that's why that GP, I mean, that GP sounds like really uneducated because there, I mean, I have, there are so many reasons for women to not have a period beyond hypothalamic amenorrhea, but it's a really common one. And it sounds like what was happening for you for sure. Mm -hmm. So pregnancy is, yeah, like one of them, but there's probably like 10 that I can think of. Yeah, I know. It was just the weirdest, strangest comment. And I felt so let down, you know? Yeah. So fast forward. So, um, uh, 
what was I going to say? So then um, I'd gotten my periods back on track and then I lost them again. It's like, you know, I feel like I lost them behind the couch. It's not like that, but, you know. Um, I lost them again, and this time it was simply from too much exercise, mm-hmm. um, which, again, didn't look like too much exercise for the average human being. Can you talk was- us through what your routine was like, just to give us some context for that? Because that's an important point for sure. Yeah. For me, I, like I was doing an hour every day. Mm-hmm. I thought I was just being healthy. Um, I would go to the gym, I would do, I don't I think, I think it was something like 45 minutes on a, I can't even remember, I've got to remember the gym, like on a Stairmaster or something like that, I'd do 15 minutes on a bike, and I would do a few weights or something, you know, <laughs> it was probably a very bad routine, you know, if any personal trainers listening in or something, but you know, that's just what I did. I don't like, know either. <laughs> you know, it's like, I was just doing exercise. My body always felt good when I did exercise and um, yeah, that's all I was doing just every single day. And I lost my periods again. I was like, what on earth is going on? And, and um, so at some point I was going on a holiday and I thought, well, this is going to be interesting because I'm not going to be able to exercise every day. So I wonder what will happen. And exactly two weeks later, I got my period. As soon as I stopped exercising every day. Mm-hmm. That was it. So I cut it back to five days a week. And that was enough for my periods to come back. So then I had to build my luteal phase up again. And look, I should mention that I did skip out a little bit of my youth. So when I was 17, I did actually have an eating disorder. I was um, actually, it, it was before that. So when I was about 14, so this is my history of why my body was sensitive. When yes. I was about 14, I I went on a diet, um, you know, kind of unchecked by my family, you know, at school, um, just wasn't eating lunch or something like that. And I lost 10 kilos in a, in a month. And I lost my period then when I was 14. And then when I was 17, I also, uh, I became full-blown anorexic, but I did it very quickly. And I lost like, um, yeah, sorry, I'm having trouble converting it. for. You don't have to. Yeah, just say kilos. Um, If people are curious. I, I lost 33 kilos in three months. Whoa, yeah. Yeah, it was it was very quick. It was you know short and short and sharp, but I did end it up in hospital, mm-hmm. and you know I did have to do the hard yards then to put this weight back on and fix my mental health and all of those good things. So my body is naturally more sensitive. I don't want people to think if they just you know lose a few kilos, they're going to you know or even lose them fast that that might happen to them because you have to know your own body. Right. And that was my body that because well, of my past. Yes. I, I'm so glad that you shared that because that's really true. And that's something that's been really frustrating for me is that I've mm-hmm. had a really similar experience that with having had this like significant portion of my life where I was really, you know, similar to what you're saying, like really severely mm-hmm. underweight and just like rapid weight loss type situation. 
I haven't been in that place for a really long time, but my body is still so sensitive. It's like your body gets kind of traumatized by that mm-hmm. experience. Yeah. And yeah, if I do like a little bit too much exercise or like cut out one little food type, you know, or like just under eat a little bit, my period's the first thing to go. And right. I think that a lot of women, I mean, this is what I've noticed in my own practice is that women will be like, oh, that was when I was a teenager. It doesn't matter anymore. I've been better mm-hmm. for so long, but that's where like a, a really thorough health history when we're working with fertility is so important because with like, I didn't, you know, I'm so yeah, glad that you shared about that because yeah, a lot of people you, maybe wouldn't necessarily what, what think, think, about think that it would cause any issues. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's not part of um, any medical <laughs> workup that you know um you know that that you would do with a fertility specialist or something like that they just didn't look at those kind of things whereas you know someone like yourself who does more of the acupuncture that kind of thing would look mm-hmm. at that kind of stuff and it has an impact it really mm-hmm. does yeah yeah and I mean it's I guess like what I will say is that it's not a like a life sentence either I know that one of the doctors that I worked with at some point told me that I would never be able to get pregnant because mm-hmm. of my long history of amenorrhea. I mean, it was probably like 15 years without a cycle or maybe even more. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, I definitely was told by doctors here and there like, oh, well, you're probably going to need to do fertility treatments and stuff. And I did not need to do that because I just did the work and really tracked and charted my cycle really thoroughly and gave it time. And yeah, my my system is sensitive and I've, I've worked with a lot of women that have sensitive systems too. But so we have to be like a little bit more thoughtful about how we care for ourselves. And I think that's sort of fine. Like, you know, it's good, a, a good, uh, sort of like, uh, internal thing to kind of keep you on track of taking good care of yourself in the long term. I was talking to someone just before and it's like, we can look back and go, oh, why is my body so sensitive? Why is all this? It's like, well, it just is. And this is what you have to work with. So don't think about anybody else. Don't think about how it could have been if you didn't do that. This is what we're dealing with. And we have to deal with where we are right now because you have this end goal of wanting to have a baby. So let's just move forward from here and just show yourself some love and compassion and you know, if you've had an eating disorder or whatever, there was a reason for that. And you went through something, you know, really big, mm-hmm. you know, however you got into having an eating disorder or those kinds of things. And this is where like, obviously mental and, you know, your mental and emotional um, health, I think is so important in your fertility journey because it allows you to find compassion for yourself in moments like that rather than I wish I hadn't done that mm-hmm. well sure we'd love to, I'm sure we'd all love to go back and change the past in some way or not do something that you know um change some embarrassing moment in our history or you know you know if you're on the fertility journey start younger or try and somehow meet your husband younger or mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever it is but the reality is we are where we are and when we're trying to paint different pictures in our mind of how we think it should be and not accept reality, 
like where we are and I'm not talking about reality of like you know it's never going to happen or I think but I'm talking about just where you are that resistance creates so much more pain for you than you know just sinking into okay this is where I am what can I do to move forward absolutely yeah that's such a good point yeah because I think this is part of why I think the mental emotional side of things is so important because a lot of the work that I do is you know like do this with your sleep or that with your nutrition or that with your exercise. But if you're, you know, I like just thinking about a person with an eating disorder or even like disordered eating or that part of the reason that they eat the way they eat or they sleep the way they sleep or their life is the way that it is, is because of their mental, emotional experience of life. It's like Mm -hmm. an eating disorder is a mental, emotional condition that you're doing these behaviors because it's soothing to you. And I'm other people use exercise. Exercise is something that (laughs) women are really protective over and have a really difficult time letting go of if that's like a thing that they tend to use. And as you mentioned, it doesn't necessarily have to look out of control for it to be affecting a woman's fertility. So anyway, all of that is just to say that I would love for you now to share more about like how you are seeing that show up in the fertility space or how it maybe showed up for you. Why don't we, why don't we keep going with your story? Um, and you can talk about how you transitioned into focusing more on the mental, emotional side of like, okay, so you're trying to conceive and you're having all these wacky cycle things and that your period's kind of coming and going. So where do we, where do we go from there? Oh my gosh, my story is very long. Okay. So I'll try and short, I'll keep, keep it short and sweet. But it, you know, so wacky cycles, getting them back, you know, fast forward in a fertility specialist's office. He says, I've got time on my side. At that point, I'm putting baby shelves on the, uh, on uh, the baby plans on the shelf because things really, you know, are on the rocks in my relationship for every other reason except for, you know, baby making. So it wasn't about that. Um, needed to leave that relationship was the right thing for me to do and then and then get thrust back into the dating world (laughs) that was a whole new thing and actually my crisis point came before I was even even able to be back into baby making mode so to speak because when I got a divorce I had to really grieve that that point of being a wife and being a mother like because I was so ready at that point to have those things in my life and I was having to let that go and then go back into dating right that was like a whole mind twist and again I was then just dating all the wrong people um and you're just like well common denominator is me so I think I need to just stop dating and I need to get right with myself and I know this um, is a weird place to pick it up but for me it's like okay I just kind of decided that to get right with myself I was a bit dramatic but I said if I'm going to get right with myself I need I'm like I'm never going to have a relationship ever again like I was just adamant I was never having one and therefore I'm never having kids because for me I I, I wanted to do it with a partner not mm-hmm. uh, you know by myself or anything like that and so I grieved at that point in my life, I grieved ever having kids or a relationship ever again. 
And it was at that point, like I just, I used all the tools that I'd learned along the way because throughout my journey, I'd studied life coaching and studied NLP. I'd done it throughout all of this, but I'd always been interested in mindset work. And so I think that's what kept my head above water through all the stuff that I actually went through. Um, and it really only took a short amount of time um, to really be happy and centered in myself and feel really good about my life and where it was going by myself, no kids, that kind of thing. And it wasn't, you know, for any desire to want to have a kid, like it really did. Like, you know, letting that go was a huge, huge thing. Um, anyway, the thing is when you get right with yourself and you're happy and I was out there having a ball, like just having the best time of my life, Mr. Right came along. <laughs> of course, because you're happy and you attract amazing people into your life. And I'd always said, it's going to take one hell of a guy to take me out of this singledom. And um, yeah, he came along. And that was only four months after I had, you know, kind of re-emerged from the world and, and was good with myself. And very quickly, because I was 36 at this time, very quickly he said to me, um, I want a family. It's important to me. And I had to like, you know, hand on heart, like, you know, oh my gosh, this guy's amazing. I don't want to lose him. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I can. I had to say those words to him. And he just looked at me and shrugged. He just went, nah, I was adopted. <laughs> so he's just an amazing person. And it really mm. took that weight off of me of feeling like I was, you know, maybe my body's broken and all that pressure that sometimes we can feel um, that this man was just open to how we might start a family. And it brought that the baby dream back and it was exciting, you know. Um, and I was still just in this really amazing mental and emotional place. And I was like, I cannot um, go back to treating my fertility like I had done previously. I'm, I just can't do it. And so I just continued to focus on what I knew would be better for my body. And quite honestly, that was just having fun. So, um, um, you know, as I was dating this amazing man who ended up being my now husband, you know, we were doing crazy things like going trapezing in the park and going to, um, kind of paint and sip nights and painting burlesque dances and like we were just doing so many fun amazing things and I just lived in this space of joy and you know that didn't miraculously make us you know fertile and I naturally had a baby you know for some people I think that the stress when they let go of it can help them to you know, their body to get back on track. But for me, I still needed to do IVF. And we decided, you know, because it felt like the right next step and it wasn't born out of fear or it was kind of like, okay, let's try this, you know. And I, and this is how I actually got started in fertility is that I walked into the that clinic, like those first days um, on my first cycle, looking at all the women around me and again like I'm one of those sensitive people I can feel the energies around me and you could cut it with a knife like the misery and the sadness in there 
and I was just joyful and happy and and you know and a lot of the women were alone and my husband was with me you know like there was just a stark contrast to how I was experiencing something and how these other people were and I knew right at that point it's like I knew right then it wasn't right for me to start at that point and start coaching people it was but I knew that at some point I was going to to help them through all of that so yeah, I went through uh, my first IVF cycle and it wasn't, you know, all sweet and, and chickety-boo. Um, again, story of weight loss. I um, decided to get fit <laughs> before I started my IVF. and um, But I was like, right, I know not to exercise too much and I know to eat a lot of food. So I did those two things you know, I was exercising, but I wasn't, didn't feel like I was exercising too much. And I, I was like, right, I have to eat a lot of food. So I did. Um, but I lost, and I lost only about three kilos in over two months. So a lot slower, but that was enough for like my FSH reading to be really high. Um, it was like about 20 or something, mm. you know, when it should be a lot lower. And so that meant for my IVF cycle, I got, you know, didn't mean anything for my fertility it just meant that I was going to get a lot less eggs for my age and so I only got four and for a lot of people they'd be like four like that's nothing and it's like yeah I only got four but I really had that belief in just like it only takes one and mm -hmm. only, and um yeah and so we we did that um you know we had the transfer you know and I remember wanting to like go home after my transfer and like wrap myself in cotton wool and you know do all of those things and not move and all of that and my husband was like absolutely not it's date night you're not sick nothing gets in the way of date night and I was like you're absolutely correct and it was nice to have that reflection you know from him there and I was like yeah great let's go out and date night and we went out to this fun very intimate <laughs> weird comedy night but it was hilarious and then went out to dinner you know we had a great time and lo and behold two weeks later I was actually pregnant and and I had my little boy um eight months after that so that was really amazing that is amazing yeah, yeah. now number two didn't go so well and that's where the breast cancer comes in but um I had my baby and then we tried for number two we did loads more IVF because I was like, I know the secret now to having a baby. And um, I ended up having four miscarriages and and then um, was just about to start again and got a breast cancer diagnosis. So my medical journey kind of changed at that point. But again, this is why I do what I do because I've been through all of that. And you can see from me right now that I'm happy I'm smiling I still love my life like I have actually worked through all the you know and quite quickly all the trauma of miscarriages because it can be a trauma right and I'm not any different and just because you have a good mental and emotional uh, health or know how to work um, how to have that balance or it's about having the tools to work through those things not avoid ever having them do you know what I mean? Well, so, well it's so interesting because I was talking to a friend the other day about, you know, when you're in a space in your life 
where it just feels like challenge after challenge after challenge at which it sounds like that was for oh, you. It was. Yep. Um, it can feel really easy to like fall into a hole and just be like, F everything. I'm just going to give up. And then it can also feel, I guess what, what I was saying to my friend was there, what I'm trying to be conscious of in my own life is not just like spiritual bypassing of like, everything's still wonderful, you know, like, <laughs> even though like I'm in the middle of like a really very stressful divorce and child mm -hmm. custody and all this kind of single mother, um, trying to run my business. Like there's just a lot going oh, on that yeah. is, that feels like really like life is just kind of like whacking me over the head, like all day long. Mm -hmm. I was saying to her, like, I am really being very protective of myself, like not letting myself fall into the hole. And, but I'm also wanting to be conscious of not just being like, everything's great. And what she was saying was, you know, like it can be like a both and situation. Everything can be like having, you said four miscarriages. Mm -hmm. I mean, having all those miscarriages, like this really sucks. Like it really sucks. Letting that mm -hmm. be true. And then also maybe you can tell us more about how you worked through it, but this is kind of just something that I was thinking about. So to keep the conversation alive, um, you know, kind of just to go back and forth, but yeah, to also say like, and I live in a really beautiful place and I have a wonderful community, you know, um, or whatever the thing is, or I have a really wonderful supportive partner I have, but this can also get into like, you already have another kid, you know, like this is where I kind of stay a little more quiet in the mental emotional side of things because I don't want to say the wrong thing. And I'm mm -hmm. sure that your clients tell you like, oh, this person said, at least you have another kid. And why don't you just be grateful for that? Like, why are you trying to have another one? Or at least you have this great job or, you know, like people are trying to help you to feel better. And you can also do that to yourself of like, I'm trying to make myself feel better, build myself back up, but also letting the other part of it, the grief part of it be equally true. So if you can share about like how you work through that or any thoughts you have after you know, yeah. what I just said. Um, well, first thing I just want to say, anything that starts with at least, <laughs> it's just, it's like saying just relax, you know, mm -hmm. oversimplifies like what they're trying to do. Most people are trying to reach out or they're trying to solve a problem. They see someone in front of them suffering. And you know what? They also don't have the tools on how to deal with it. And that person doesn't have the tools on how to deal with their emotions most of the time because we are not taught this stuff at all. And so this person, like, who's almost trying to comfort, wants to make it better because it feels awkward, right? You know, well, at least you've got one, you know, trying to find some positive, like, oh, hopefully they'll smile with that. But it just, it, it falls flat because, I mean, firstly, secondary infertility is just as, like devastating <laughs> as primary infertility um it was for me and it is for many people right there is just something about when you're really connected and you feel connected to that baby that's not coming you know um so how did I deal with it 
it's a good question. I mean, it goes a lot to my mindset already, right? I a lot of people come to me at rock bottom. They might have been through years of it, um, miscarriages, all of that. Now they're at a different point in their life where I have to teach them the tools and and help them work through things in a different way than the way that I did it because I already had the tools. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So. Um, I was a lot faster at moving through things because I already live in a certain way already in my mind. Like I'm able to to bounce back a lot faster, but it doesn't mean I don't go down to the dark hole and I let myself go down to the dark hole. That's an important place to be. If we spend time trying to avoid it, it's you know like what we resist persists, right? Sometimes we have to be there. Like sometimes you know, women go to that place of like, oh, how come she can do it and I can't? And like, woe is me. Why, you know, why me? Why me? And I go, great. Let's go there. Let's have a pity party. Let's absolutely 100% your homework this week is to go away, have the biggest pity party and just really enjoy it. I know that sounds funny, but it's like sometimes you have to sit there and pat your own head and go, it's not fair, you know, and just have those emotions because too much we're trying to change them all the time so during any one of these things I wasn't really trying to change my emotions I wasn't I was trying to change the emotions where I was spiraling down Mm -hmm. because that is different having an emotion is there to guide you and help you through and you're processing it and things like that think of it like this if you have a really happy emotion we don't try and change that. We just go, yay, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a happy emotion. I'm going to feel it all. And then what happens to that? It also goes. It doesn't stay around. Peaks of emotions last like about 90 seconds and then they drop off, right? What? Why a negative emotions hang around is because we don't want to feel them. We don't want to process them. When you allow, so I would always sit in the emotions that I was feeling. I also had an amazing support team around me. Obviously, my husband is like incredibly supportive. Um, And he always just made it so easy to go through those experiences. Um, And I just would dive headlong into self-care because I knew what would also help me like when I was going through one of them, I just had a DNC and then we went to Bali for two weeks. It just happened to be planned. And um, the massages are really cheap, right? So I was like, I'm going to I challenge myself to have one every day. So, you know, I would, I was, my husband would, you know, take my little one and, you know, make sure that I had that time to go and have those. But it was nice because it was like, the touch was important. Like every time I was like laying down and someone was, you know, taking care of me, putting a blanket on me, that kind of thing. It just felt really healing. Like other people were also taking care of me, even though they were strangers, just giving me a massage mm-hmm. but that like, yeah, that helps me heal some, somebody else that might be the worst thing in the world. So again, you have to know yourself and what allows you to heal. So that I found that really healing, having my husband's undivided attention for a couple of weeks so I could be in that space with him and not be like um, competing for work. Um, 
and things like that. But yeah, it, it's having that support around you. It's looking after yourself. It's knowing how to change your mindset and how to get yourself out of really, really when you're spiraling and spinning. For me, a lot of the time I use um, hypnosis. There were times on my breast cancer journey where I was like, I don't have this. I just don't. And then I just, I would look at my husband and I'd recognize the feeling like it was just chaos, right? There's no, it's not just a, I'm having a down moment and this is okay. This was like, this is chaos. It's like I'm spinning out of control. Um, I'd say, I'm going to the bedroom for half an hour to do a hypnosis. And I would do that hypnosis. So is it like a guided hypnosis or you do it to yourself? Uh, it was guided. Yeah. Okay. And then I would just get back up and I'd go, I've got this now. I'm still going through a really hard thing, but I feel like I can take the steps. There are just moments where you panic where you're like, I can't, t- I can't, I can't take the steps. I can't do this. And then I would slow it down so I could take the steps. Because what happens when you panic is your brain like literally like separates from itself. Bits of it aren't talking to other bits. Right. And that's why you feel so chaotic and all over the place the the you know just that moment of reconnecting lying back connecting back you know helping my brain to come back together so it can start to talk to itself is literally all I was doing right um what other tools do I use um well to stick with the hypnosis was actually a big one for me during that as well like I actually found the same experience through acupuncture like sometimes I could go in there going I don't have this and I come out from acupuncture feeling connected again and like yes I can take on the world (laughs) you know so that was also an important part of what I did during that time so yeah to go back to the hypnosis like when you're working with women um and yeah we can also well there's a few more questions Uh, but I want to know how you like structure your program and exactly what it looks like but Mm -hmm. before we go there um when you're working with somebody and you say like oh I would recommend that you maybe try some hypnosis. Do you have, do you do that kind of thing for them? Or do you have, you know, somebody that does hypnosis specifically around fertility or does it not really matter? Or what would you recommend that somebody would use if they were interested in trying that? Yeah, so um, I have a couple of one-on-one clients. Um, I have a course and all through that is hypnosis and things like that. Um, and I demystify it and I make it not scary because some people think it's scary and it's really not. Um, but I also do one-on-one and yeah, I mean, I've trained with some of the leading people in hypnofertility. So I have some beautiful scripts that are just incredible that really shift the needle. Um, but then, you know, also write personalized ones for some of my clients as well. Yeah. With that. Awesome. Um, Cause Hypnosis is an interesting thing where it can just shift the needle fast because it it's not meditation, it's not visualization, it's about getting to that unconscious mind where change really happens, right? You know when you're talking about before of like everything is great, everything is like you know, and where I have a nice house, and <laughs> but you're still like so tense and whatever. It's like that's forced positivity. Mm-hmm. right and that's the worst thing in the world it's toxic it's like it's it's not allowing you to feel what you really feel or need in that moment um now hypnosis also like so real change happens at the unconscious level right that's when naturally you start to feel better when you start to 
learn how you form beliefs and how to change them you know um look at your identity oh, so many different things can go into that mindset your unconscious work and you can do some of it consciously but it does speed it along with something like hypnosis where you can just use some suggestions to be able to change uh create change at that unconscious level a little, a little bit more rapidly but no one's going to create change that doesn't want to create change they're really not mm -hmm. um, so it's not scary in that way i'm not going to say be a chicken like those are stage show rubbish you know kind of things and they only ever choose really suggestible people like they weed out the ones that aren't going to go you know it's not going to work for mm -hmm. everyone can be hypnotized it's just following instructions. Your mind can be really conscious. That's what people don't realize. You're not going under. It's not a general anesthetic, <laughs> right? Um, and it just can allow things a little bit faster, but it's not liposuction for the mind. You also have to consciously have conscious autonomy and back that up with the actions that you have in your life or, you know, learning how to challenge the thoughts that might come through your brain or say, oh, that was just a thought. I don't even need to consider it or, you know, and how you do all of that. Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. And then the <laughs> what's that? I hope that was a thorough enough Totally. Yeah. That's really great to know that that's part of your one-on-one -on -one work and part of your course too. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, acupuncture, I just appreciate you sharing about that because that has very much been my experience of acupuncture too. You know, I've over the years received it for a variety of situations mm. um, and the mental emotional piece. I mean, pretty much every patient that I've ever worked with has said, at the end, how relaxed or calm they feel, mm -hmm. um, because it does get you out of that, like fight or flight part of your nervous system and oh, allows yeah, you to yeah. rest more deeply. And you get into that same kind of space. I've, I've received hypnosis. I did like a series of sessions. I can, it's been so long ago now that I don't even really remember, but I remember it, it offering a similar, uh, sensation in my body to what acupuncture does. So, mm. um, that's really cool. Um, but any other tools that you want to share about specifically? Um, so I use, well, what I like to do in my course and with my clients is I do a lot of teaching, right? Because I want people to understand. I don't want to put down hypnosis or acupuncture or anything because I, you know, I think those are amazing things and I actually use hypnosis. Um, and, and I think acupuncture is absolutely amazing for so many things and the emotional piece. But I think that, also, when you layer on top of that, understanding why, you know, you formed that belief, how it's formed, like actually understanding how your mind works, how, how it impacts your emotions, how it impacts your body and what you can do to change it is a really powerful place to be. Mm -hmm. And then you can use your tools like acupuncture if it's for something physical or for something emotional, because you know that's going to help you, and that's you know a, a, an extra tool in your in your kit. But when you're able to be in that situation where someone comes to you and says, "Oh, when are you going to have kids?" and you're able to on the spot work through that emotion really quickly, that you there might be a split second emotion, go, "Hey, that question is probably not about me." They may be just excited about like, or, or it's just a general everyday question that they think is okay to ask. Here's my reply and not get involved in the emotional aspect of it and just walk away mm -hmm. and not be like, 
oh my god like you know they asked me when I was you know like because that that's huge like when you're able to not constantly trigger your body into fight or flight all the time and keep your nervous system calmer all the time it's, it just benefits your mental and emotional health but it also benefits your fertility hugely as well because you're not triggering yourself all the time right so then tools like even hypnosis meditation even probably acupuncture for for um mindset um becomes less relevant in your life because you're able to keep yourself calmer on a consistent basis when you're able to work through that thing in the moment they're just like they're also these amazing tools and added benefit that you can also do and choose to do yeah i mean to me it sounds like some of the other stuff what you're talking about is getting more to like the root of why this is a thought pattern that's always coming mm -hmm. up and these other things can help you to work through it sort of like in the moments or like as you need extra support as you're working on like the underlying stuff mm. that is causing yeah. that in the first place and then they become less necessary as you're able to work through that from from the root from the core of what it's about absolutely so um yeah i i feel like we should probably wrap up just in the interest of okay. of your time but if I would love for you to to share about where people can find you. And if there are some things that you'd like to share that I haven't specifically asked you about, I, I'd love to give you an opportunity to share too. Oh, thank, oh, look, I could wax lyrical about so many things all day in this space. I'm just really passionate about helping women with the mental and emotional space for so many reasons. And I wish it wasn't the last place that people looked on their fertility journey because, um, you know, there's been research done that shows that, you know, women will give up on their dream because their mind has given up, not, not their mind has given up, not their desire, but like they literally cannot push themselves into that trauma anymore. And they will give up on their dream rather than, you know, do another IVF treatment, even if it's, even if it's funded, you know, by somebody else um it's not a matter of resources at that point and they just don't have the tools to work through these emotions and we are just left to flounder and I just don't want anybody to be in that space because they're not they're making decisions based on fear they're not advocating for themselves well they're having a miserable life which I just think is awful for anybody um you know just for so many reasons I just think it's so important so where you can find me is um like I said my business is studio fertility and I have a website studiofertility.com um I'm on Instagram at studio fertility my podcast is the studio fertility podcast I'm pretty easy <laughs> to find if you look up studio fertility um yeah, so I have a couple of freebies on my website. Um, I have a course which um, that I have that makes it a lot more affordable for people, but then for people who want that one-on-one -on -one attention that might have um, a little bit more to spend, then, then that's available as well. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much again for being here today and sharing about your story and your offerings. It was my pleasure. 
If you are actively trying to conceive right now or will be sometime within the next couple of years, then I have a very exciting offering for you. My Conscious Conception with Fertility Awareness Self-Study course is a one-stop shop for everything that you need to know about learning the fertility awareness method and optimizing your chances of conception by optimizing your menstrual cycle. So we start off with talking about the female reproductive cycle. I introduce you to the fertility awareness method. We go through assessing your menstrual cycle for understanding how it relates to your overall health and well-being, as well as your fertility. We go through preparing your body for pregnancy, so that includes coming off of hormonal birth control, if that's ever been part of something that you have used in the past. And we go through preconception nutrition considerations, so the things that you are really going to want to consider having in your diet before pregnancy, so the three to six months or so prior to pregnancy. And then we do a deep dive in all of the aspects of the fertility awareness method. So that includes basal body temperature, cervical mucus, cervical position. And then we bring it all together with being able to accurately assess when you are ovulating using the cross-check method, which is basically just comparing cervical mucus with basal body temperature to confirm that you have for sure ovulated and when that occurred. And then we bring everything together even more so by getting it all onto a chart. So I provide you with a very, very detailed paper basal body temperature chart, if that is what you want to use. And it is set up completely for the way that I teach the method. So everything is very straightforward, how to fill it out if you decide to use the paper. If you decide to use an app, I also make a specific app recommendation and provide you with a template to use so that it is set up exactly in the system that I teach from. Then we talk about improving sperm quality, egg quality, how to time sex accurately in order to optimize your chances of conception, how to use cervical mucus, how to confirm ovulation with cervical mucus and BBT, and how to potentially use OPKs, which are also called LH strips, and when they can sometimes be not so helpful and make things a lot more confusing. And then I go through talking about holistic fertility enhancement. So that includes things like acupuncture, Chinese herbal medicine, Arvigo abdominal massage, and yoni steaming. So I provide you with some information on all of those, as well as ways to find providers in your area if you are not somebody that is local to me. Then we go through talking about postpartum charting. There are two separate phases when it comes to postpartum charting. And I like to teach this right away because once you achieve pregnancy, it you can always go back to this course and revisit the postpartum modules and lessons to make sure that you are charting accurately and potentially never going back on birth control again because there is also a lesson about preventing pregnancy with the fertility awareness method. And then I also provide you with a few additional resources, reading materials, and things like that. And then in addition to all the course, the course also includes one 90-minute one-on-one session with me. So you can use that at the beginning when you, if you want me to just kind of explain them, some things right off the bat, or you can use it somewhere in the middle once you kind of understand a few things, but you just have a few questions, or you can completely go through the course and once you have a full chart of your own, if you want some help interpreting it and analyzing it and making some specific targeted recommendations for you, that is kind of the purpose of the session. You can use it however you desire. And then the other part, the really exciting part that I have just added in 
recently is that also included with every purchase of the course, you are automatically invited to my question and answer session that happens monthly. And so you will be enrolled in that for the six months. So from whenever you enroll in the course for the six months after that time, you will be automatically enrolled in coming to my question and answer session. And you can send me your charts, ask me any questions that you have, whether it's personal or about just general fertility awareness method tracking and charting. So I'm really excited about all of these shifts and changes, and I have provided the link to learn more about the course as well as sign up if you are wanting to do that in the show notes of this episode. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with somebody that you think might benefit from hearing some of the information that was shared here today. If you're interested in finding more about me, you can find me on my website at rosebudwellness.com, on Instagram at rosebud underscore wellness, or on Facebook at the Rosebud Wellness community. Also, if you're feeling called to leave a, a rating or writing a review, that would be amazing. It really helps to get the podcast out to more listeners. Thanks so much for listening and until next time.